Good morning, Providence. It's been a long time since I've been up here. Uh, my prayer is that God will be glorified by what is said today. It was difficult preaching my father's funeral. It was the most difficult sermon I ever preached, but to be honest with you, uh, this sermon will be the hardest one I've ever preached in my life in 33 years of ministry. I want to thank you for being so understanding during the difficult time. Honestly, the love of God has been manifested by your ministry to me. I've not, worship services are extremely hard right now. Uh, They're actually the hardest thing I do. Uh, I haven't been able to sing in the last seven weeks and it's just difficult but when Heather died when I was holding her hand I can honestly say I, I had no regrets honestly there's not one thing I would change in the way I, I care for her and and this is in part because of our elders from the time that we went to Arizona in in December uh, until she passed away, the elders continually affirmed to me that she was my first priority and they wanted me to do everything I could for her. And many of you were the exact same way. If, if I'd felt even the slightest pressure from them to be at church, I know things would have been completely different. But I'm thankful that I don't have to sit around and say, I wish I'd not spent so much time away working. And I'm, I'm grateful to the elders for constantly telling me, no, your priority is with your wife. After she died, so many of you came over to visit. I was struck by how, how many um, didn't know Heather or even some had never even seen her in person. And actually, many of them, many don't even know that much about me. I am struggling. I can't pray. I start praying and my mind goes everywhere. I, I can't study scripture uh, in focus. My mind goes. Um, if I've met you and I ask you to tell me your name, Please don't be offended. My reputation is I don't forget names. I've forgotten names. I can't remember names right now, but just please forgive me for that. But what I want to do today, because this is all I have, is I want to tell you more about Heather because a lot of you don't know much about her. And I want to weave personal events into Scripture and scriptural principles and and. Do it in such a way that God's glorified. That's my goal today. So it's going to be very personal. If you're visiting today, and I, I see several people I've never met before. Um, if you're visiting today, this is not normal. Today's going to be more of a devotion than a sermon. I'm still dealing with brain fog and, and can't focus. Lord willing, next week will be more precise. And so that's, that's where we are. But Heather was... Um, she was a background person. She was a quieter person. Uh, she, she didn't ever want to be up front. Um, she, loved, 
She was a person who loved design and color. If you've been over to our house, you, you know that. You know that by the way she dressed. When we would uh, go places where everybody dressed in black, and that was not my wife. Um, she always carried herself with class. Matter of fact, that was the uh, thing that really attracted to me. I mean, she was beautiful, don't get me wrong, but it was beautiful and classy at the same time. And, uh, and that was part of my initial attraction however most of you know her that way but she also had a quick wit and a good sense of humor uh, my, my mother loves to recount this story uh, probably 20 years ago when when we were younger um, I was away on a youth trip and my mom called Heather to find out how she's doing she said how you doing and Heather said well I'm going to divorce Jared, and I'm going to send Jordan to live with you, but other than that, I'm doing great. And uh, that, that, was, that was my wife, that quick wit. She never let loose around other people, but she let loose around the family, and so my wife had a, a very goofy side. Um, as you'll be able to see by some of these pictures um, that from over the years, and I have a whole, I could create a whole file of goofy pictures of this woman, classy woman who um, liked to be a little bit odd in her sense of humor. And so um, she, was a, she was a lot of fun. Um, the, I have video of her uh, dancing with my boys and telling them I don't want to look like an idiot, and yet she was acting like an idiot uh, with the family. And so uh, just lots and lots of pictures like that. She, um, we had a family um, tradition, I guess, I don't know if it's a tradition, but every time we played a board game, every time we played cards, somewhere along the way, Heather was going to pull out the Bluetooth speaker and put Kenny Rogers' song, The Gambler, on, and then sing. And we're Edgecombs, Edgecombs don't sing, okay? But she would do it, and everybody would, please don't sing, Mom, but she would sing anyway. And, and she told us, this is before things got really serious, but she told us, she said, when I die, I want my casket rolled out to the gambler. And uh, um, my son-in-law almost played the gambler at the funeral, but uh, chickened out at the last minute. One question I know people had, um, and I, I've actually been asked, and I want to address this, because I think it'll help address it publicly rather than me ask, answering 500 times. Um, the question is, what do I think about integrative cancer treatment? And I can tell you no in certain terms that it worked. It absolutely worked. Four years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer um, down at UVA, and the doctors told her um, that she had a 15% chance of living. Um, they did radical surgery and chemotherapy. She went through all of it. And she said, well, okay, what happens if it comes back? And they said, well, we'll do the same thing. It won't be as effective, but we'll do the same thing again. And she said, well, um, I'm not going to go through it again. It was rough enough the first time. There's no way on earth I'll go through it again. She told the doctors she would never do that. She did ask him, she said, what would happen if I just didn't treat the cancer? And they said, well, it would kill you within weeks. And keep that in mind as I keep going here. So, of course, it did come back in January of 2022. 
We went to Arizona for integrative treatment. Now, integrative means a combination of conventional cancer treatment and alternative cancer treatments. They did both at the clinic. PET scans were done here in Culpeper before and after in 2022, and the cancer that was there before was gone when we got back in April of 2022. But like the doctor said, it came back again a second time, this time more extensive. So last December, we went out there and we were there instead of six weeks, we were there for four months. Again, when we got back to Culpeper, the PET scan showed that the treatment had knocked the cancer back. Um, cancer on her lung. By the way, this is fascinating. Ovarian cancer, when it comes back, comes back on a lung and then the peritoneum and eventually the liver. The cancer on her lung was gone, but the cancer in the peritoneum down by her bladder, there was a spot still, it had shrunk there was still a small spot, but the doctors were confident that just continued um, maintenance would take care of it. And she did have a spot on her liver, but they weren't sure if that was cancer or not. And uh, they thought, felt like it could be taken care of with stuff here in Culpeper. The second Sunday in June, she had emergency surgery on her bladder to control some bleeding and she got a catheter after that for the healing. And if you know anything about catheters, uh, infection is something that, that comes along with those things. And four days after the catheter was removed, um, she had an infection. This infection ended up being a multi-drug resistant infection. Uh, ultimately, she went through eight antibiotics each one getting more harsh as she went through them. Uh, somebody here knows exactly what I'm talking about because she was getting them at the clinic. By the third week of July, the effects of the antibiotics were so bad that um, it was a choice between do I f fight the infection or work on the cancer, but I can't do both. And the infection was so bad and so miserable, she said, she looked at me, she said, well, let's focus on the infection and then we can start the cancer fight later on. But at that time, what we didn't realize was none of the drugs were going to work. The final drug, the eighth antibiotic was working, but it was so bad, she asked them to take her off of it. Okay. Once the cancer was no longer being addressed, it came raging back. And in eight weeks, it took her life just like the doctor said it would. And so do I believe in integrative cancer treatment? The answer is yes, I do. Um, it, it works. Obviously, the Lord had other plans for her. And God could have stopped the infection, right? Could have taken away the cancer. That wasn't his plan. So... From, from the week before her surgery until she died, so the surgery in June until she died in September, she suffered. I didn't let people know that too much. Um, some people did know, but when people came over to the house or when she would go out somewhere, uh, she did her best to make it appear like there was no suffering going on. When the doctor talked to me in the surgical waiting room that Sunday, in June, I had a good idea that she didn't have much time left and uh, the whole summer was 
grieving for me. She had a good idea as well that she was not going to make it and began to grieve for me, not for her. She cried a couple times that summer, but each time she cried, she was actually crying for me, not for herself. She told me something like this, if I die, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be perfectly fine, but I'm, I'm sad for you because you're going to be lonely and alone. And her faith never wavered. Her faith actually grew stronger. And from this, I want to give you a spiritual principle. And that is this. When life gets hard and when trials come, God's children run to Him. When she got cancer the first time, one of her greatest fears was that she would run from God and deny God. Over and over, she said, I'm afraid that one day I'm going to deny God. But what I watched over a period of four years was somebody running to God more and more and more and more. Jesus said in Matthew 24, he's talking about famines and earthquakes and difficulties that will come in the last days. And he said, many, many will fall away. And then he says in verse number 13, the one who endures to the end will be saved. You see, when life gets hard, whether it's through circumstances or through persecution, God's children run to Him. You know why? He's the only source of comfort. There's no other source of comfort greater in this world than God himself and so God's children run for him by contrast those who are not God's children the Bible is clear Jesus said it when life gets hard they get embittered and run away and that is how you can tell where somebody is spiritually when life gets hard do they run to Jesus or do they run away from Jesus that tells you the state of their soul. Those who run away are saying things such as, God isn't good. God's not meeting my expectations. I expected life to be different than this. And they fall away. So where are you when life gets hard? Are you running to God? Are you running the other way? You're running to other things. In fact, let me, let me give you another assurance. When you run to God during difficult times, do you know what He does? In turn, He builds your faith. Run to God, God builds your faith. Isn't that wonderful to know? Heather's greatest fear was cancer. From a little girl, her mother told me, when she was a little girl, if something happened, she'd say, Mom, is this cancer? That was her greatest fear her whole life. And her fear came true in August of 2019. She was a wreck initially. But you and I watched. I watched God, as she continually ran to Him, build her faith month by month, week by week, day by day, until... She could get to last summer where she didn't fear death. 
The only thing she didn't want to do is be uncomfortable. And I understand that, right? God will build your faith during hard times. Run to Him. The single greatest treasure I have is a drawer full of Heather's thankfulness journals. You couldn't give me a billion dollars for those journals. Every morning, no matter how bad she felt, she opened the journal and she wrote what she was thankful for. I remember that weekend in June when she had the emergency surgery. That weekend started on a Friday night. We were in the emergency room all Friday night. Finally, about six in the morning, they transferred her to another hospital where they could uh, uh, do the uh, surgery on her bladder. And she slept for a couple hours that Saturday morning. When she woke up, we made some small talk. And then she said, okay, what do I have to be thankful for? And she didn't have a journal, so she just started telling me. I've been trying to remember what what she said that morning. I can't remember it. But she was always thankful. The last thing that she wrote was to God. She died on September 15th. On Monday, September 11th, we got up, came downstairs. I fixed her some tea, sat down next to her, and she said, all right, what do I have to be thankful for? This is it. I don't know if you can read it. Um, I didn't read it until the day she died, but it says, Monday, September 11th, 2023. Here's what she's thankful to God for. Provision, Jared's care, a great life, explanation point. Salvation, your strength. Isn't that what I said when you run to God, right? People who love me, family. And the last thing that she wrote to God, the last thing she ever wrote in her life was, I am yours and then the word forever and the word forever if you look at it it fades it was almost like a you know a prophecy it just fades away when she got done writing that and i didn't know what she wrote i read a psalm to her and we prayed together and she looked at me and said i I think i'll take a nap that's the last thing she ever wrote and that brings me to a second principle and that is this Thanksgiving is a product of knowing God and growing righteousness. Thanksgiving is a product of knowing God and growing righteousness. This is scriptural. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. He said, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. And it doesn't say increase your money, increase your possessions, increase your uh, happiness. What does it say? It says increase the harvest of your righteousness. So there is growing righteousness. And what is the result of growing righteousness? You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Not just monetarily. In every way which through us 
will provide thanksgiving. But it's not thanksgiving for a wonderful, happy life. It's not thanksgiving that your 401k did well. It's not thanksgiving that you have a good job. It's thankfulness to what? To who? To God himself. And so as you know Jesus Christ, and you know him in a better and deeper way, and you grow in your righteousness, one of the byproducts of that is that you increase your thankfulness. The result is thanksgiving. Listen to what Paul said in Colossians 2. Paul said, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in Him. Become Christ-like. So walk in Him, rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, established in faith in Christ, just as you were taught. And what happens? You will abound abound in thanksgiving. So Paul states explicitly that thanksgiving is a result of spiritual growth. So when you are growing in your knowledge of God and your love for God, you will be thankful even in the most severe suffering. Why? Why? How? And why can you be uh, thankful in severe suffering? Because as you behold your God, your understanding of your undeservedness grows. When we gaze at God's perfections and character, we in turn see how imperfect and sinful we are. And in fact, the very fact that God chooses us for, to be kind to us, to give us salvation, totally blows us away and amazes us. Are you amazed at your salvation? You ever look in the mirror and think, how on earth could God save that guy? How on earth could God save that woman? How could he be nice to that woman? You ever look in the mirror and think that? If you do, that's a product of knowing God. And when we think about the blessings awaiting us that only come in Jesus Christ, not of our own merit, but of His merit, our thankfulness results in praise. Heather was firmly focused on the eternal. Therefore, she never, ever lost heart. This summer, while she was suffering and things were tough and she felt rotten, she would look at me through tired eyes and she would say this. She'd say, this is light and momentary, right? This is light and momentary. What was she referring to? She's referring to Paul in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. And her, out, her outer self was wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Listen, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, all comprehension. That's what he's preparing. And then what does it say? Look at what it says. As we look, not to the things that are temporal or seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are transient, the thing, I'm sorry, the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Dear 
person, believer, where are your eyes? Everything that you can see is passing away. Your job, your nicely decorated house, your status in this world, your 401k, your nice car, your comfortable life, all of it is passing away. The only thing that is permanent is what you cannot see. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The spiritual promises. All the saints who have gone before us. The blessings that we receive in Jesus. Those are the things that are eternal. Those are the things that will not pass away. Her body was wasting away, but she was looking to the eternal. To the things that are glorious. Now your life, dear believer, your life may be full of trials and suffering. It may feel like that one day you're in the frying pan and the next day you're in the fire. But what sustains the believer is not some ethereal, nebulous hope that one day things are going to get better. Have you ever heard people hope that way? That's futility. What sustains the believer is not that. Our strength comes from knowing that there is an eternal weight of glory waiting for us. Isn't that wonderful? Listen to this. Even if your life is suffering, you are born suffering, and your entire earthly existence is suffering, and by the way, there's not one person here like that. It doesn't describe it. But even if your life was decade after decade after decade of suffering, guess what? It is light and momentary compared to what God has prepared for us in eternity. Isn't that wonderful? The eternal perspective allows you to write in your thankfulness journal even on your worst day. I want to encourage you with another truth about God and the Christian life. This one came home to me during Heather's last few days. It was hard for me to deal with at first, and it may be hard for me to talk about now, but this is so encouraging. You know, it's going to be encouraging to you. Let me give you the truth. Through Christ, notice how I said it, through Christ, your impact is far greater than you can ever imagine. Christ is impacting other people far greater than you will ever know in this lifetime. When we, were, when we informed our family and the church of our decision to put Heather on hospice, her, her phone blew up with Facebook messages and texts. But because she was in such a bad state, she didn't want to have anything to do with her phone. And so I was the one who would read the messages and respond to them. Some, of them. some of you people I responded to right here. But many messages started out this way. And it broke my heart. I wish I had told you years ago how the Lord used you this way in my life. I wish I told you years ago the impact this made on my life. And it broke my heart initially because Heather, Heather died 
thinking that she had little eternal impact in this world. She thought she was just a pastor's wife and she was just a homemaker. That's literally how she died, thinking. For weeks after her death, I received sympathy cards, many of them from friends that we had known for years. Women would write me sympathy cards and tell me how Heather helped them through a specific hard time, what Heather taught them spiritually about something in their life over and over. Some of these women we had not seen since 2006 and earlier. That's how long ago it was. And like I said, initially I was brokenhearted about it, and it added to my distress during the last week of her life. However, I am comforted now. And I want to get this across to you. I'm comforted now. You know why? Because either she now knows, A, or B, she doesn't care. Right? Am I right about that? When you see Jesus face to face, you will not care. Because His glory overrides everything else. But the spiritual principle that I want you to hang on to, parents, grandparents, homemaker, hang on to this. God does not get glory working through people who have it all together. That's not how He glorifies Himself. He gets glory working through our weakness. Why do you think it is that God whittled Gideon's army from 22,000 to 300? Why do you think it is that God took a little shepherd boy with no armor and just a sling to defeat the great champion of the Philistines? Why do you think it is that God took young, working-class, backwards men from a backwater part of the Roman Empire called Galilee and changed the world upside down? Why do you think He did all those things? Because He gets the glory. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest apostles, God gifted this man with an extraordinary mind. Great success on the mission field, and most importantly, the biggest reason to brag at all is he got a vision of heaven. If you get a vision of heaven, it's because you ate too much pizza before you went to bed. He got a vision of heaven. And all of that lends itself to self-sufficiency and conceit. And he acknowledged this in his second letter to the Corinthians in chapter number 12. And so, you know what God did? In order to keep him from becoming conceited, God gave him a thorn in the flesh. And Paul didn't like it. And we don't like him either, do we? Bad back. Or physical weakness or whatever else. He prayed, Paul prayed for it to be removed. And Paul's no different than us. What do we think about? Well, if the ministry only had a little more money. Lord, if I were a better speaker. Lord, 
If I were more confident, if I knew my Bible better, if I could think quicker on my feet, we all think these things, right? These are the what ifs. And all of these ifs, we think would make personal ministry better, but God's the opposite. And so you know what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Verse number 9, Paul said, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That's where God's glory is known. That's where God's power is known. His power is known in using weak people like you and me. And so you know what Paul said? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Do you know what you do when you minister and God gives success? You boast in what God did through you. You express amazement and you glorify God. And you know what's going to happen? The power of Christ is going to rest on you. Isn't that what you want? Man, I don't want to stand up here thinking, oh man, I delivered a good one today. You can thank me later. I don't want to ever think like that. I want to constantly be amazed. God, how did you use this sermon? How on earth did you use this counseling? I didn't, you're getting something the first service didn't get. It just popped into my mind, so I'm going to say it. I reconnected with one of the young men from my youth ministry uh, from years ago. He's a pastor. Uh, I think he's uh, 30, I think he's 36. 36-year-old pastor of a church. He, he called me um, about a week after Heather died. We talked for about an hour and he, he shocked me when we got done. He said, he said hey, um, he calls me Brother Jared. I kept telling him, please just call me Jared. But he hadn't yet. I'll get him to that point. He said, I need this. He said, can we set up a regular time for you to talk to me? He said, you've given me so much to think about. And I'm thinking to myself, what on earth is he talking about? And it was just, I was just entering conversation with him. One, one point he was talking about something. I said, well, I just was responding. I said something to him. And to me, it was just normal conversation. And I got off the phone with him thinking, how on earth does God use just an offhand comment to impact a young man's life in such a way? He says, I want to talk to you once a month. Let's set up a standing appointment. You never know how God is going to use you just be used. Are you resisting God's call to some sort of ministry? Are you making excuses because of some perceived or real weakness? But you're feeling the call? God loves using weak vessels to glorify Himself. Why don't you jump into ministry, whatever that ministry may be, Children's ministry, first and fourth Sunday of the month. Jump in there. Jump into nursery ministry. Jump into Sunday school. Jump into visiting the elderly, the widows, and, and all that sort of stuff. Just go do it. Because God loves to glorify Himself in our weaknesses. Just be faithful and be available. That's all He wants. His strength will be made perfect. If you're like my wife, you will not know your ministry impact this side of heaven. And it doesn't matter. 
What really matters is that God glorifies Himself through you, right? So just get busy. Get at it. I'm going to give you one last spiritual truth. This spiritual truth I'm going to use as an um, introduction to next week's sermon. God not only created the universe and everything in it, but He created you and, my, you and I. You know what that means? If He created the universe, He created you and I, that means He can do anything He wants with the universe. Right? He owns it. That also means, and we don't like to hear this, that means He can do anything He wants with you and I. Right? Skip the whole section of my sermon and just realize that. You won't hear it, I guess. But here's the thing. Because He is good, God is going to sustain us. You know what Jesus' argument was? Jesus' argument was, if God takes care of the flowers and the birds he'll take care of us how's that for a lesser to greater argument and you know why you can do this the doctrine theologians use is called providence god created you so he will provide for you he provides for his creation and god took great care of heather all the way till her home going Time won't suffice for the stories, but I want to tell you a couple, okay? Because this is how God provided. Just amazing. In January 2022, when the cancer came back for the first time, we found a clinic in Mesa that we were going to use. But it was going to be three weeks before we could get out there. And so Heather asked the doctor, is there anything that she can do in the meantime? And he gave her two things that she could do. But they required a medical professional to perform them. And so immediately after that conversation, Heather called a place that was known to have a multi-year waiting list to get in. Multi-year. Explained her situation to the receptionist. It was on speakerphone. I was listening. This is why I know this. The receptionist paused for a really long time. I'm thinking to myself, what's going on here? Okay. And finally, the receptionist said, can you come in at 7 o'clock tonight? Well, of course we can. There had been a cancellation, and before they had the opportunity to call the next person on the waiting list, Heather called on the phone. And Heather got in that night while everybody else had to wait years. Now here's the amazing thing. Believe it or not, when we got to Arizona that January 2022, her cancer markers had already begun dropping. God took care of her. Isn't it? It's incredible, isn't it? Another thing. Mesa is a very expensive place to rent a house or a condo during the wintertime. You snowbirds, 
go down there and jack up the prices. No, I'm just kidding you. Snowbirds, spring training for baseball, results in housing being expensive. This is not an exaggeration. The patients and spouses, uh, care, we, called, we were called caregivers. We would talk, we'd sit around, we would talk about this kind of stuff. And I'm not kidding you, and you can vouch for this. In the wintertime, rental for a condo or for a house, four to $6,000 a month. Incredible rental price. Because of God's providence, God allowed us to get a place for the cost of utilities, a condo, two-bedroom condo in Tempe, right down from the University of Arizona, $300 a month. That's just a coincidence, isn't it? I'll give you one more, then we'll close this out. Many of you know, in August, I went out west to ride my motorcycle. I wanted to stay home. When the cancer came back, um, I told Heather I'm going to stay home. I'm going to not go on that trip. And she insisted that I go. Now, I thought it was because she felt bad that I'd put my whole life on hold to take care of her. But uh, that was not the case. That's another story altogether, which I won't get into. But there were six of us going out to Seattle, start in Seattle on this motorcycle trip. We all used the exact same company to ship our bikes, except that mine didn't. They picked up my bike, and a week and a half before we're supposed to be in Seattle, my bike's sitting in a warehouse in Pennsylvania, and the company's saying it's not going to make it out there. So I was like, okay, this is a sign from the Lord. I'm not going to go. My friend Mike, uh, some of you know my friend Mike from Memphis, he was like, um, no, you're, you're going to go. So he said, call some direct shippers. Five direct shippers said, yeah, we can pick up the bike in Pennsylvania and get it to Seattle before you need to get there. All five got back to us and said, no, we can't. One of them actually showed up at the warehouse said, no, we can't do this. I was really frustrated. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's a small thing. It's an earthly thing, that, that thing that's going to pass away, right? But I was frustrated. I remember telling the Lord, Lord, this is so easy for you. Why won't you let this happen? I told Mike I'm not going. He said, yes, you are. He said, he insisted I rent a motorcycle. So I got a one-way rental from Seattle to Nashville, Tennessee. While we were on the trip, we were talking about this. And Mike looked at me and he said, brother, it is obvious that the Lord didn't want your motorcycle out here. Now, at that time, we were thinking, I don't know, maybe my bike was going to break down or something. I, I didn't know why God didn't allow it. Frankly, I wasn't very happy about it. I don't like riding Harley-Davidson's, sorry. That's what I got stuck with. But here's the thing. While we were in Yellowstone National Park, Heather called me and said things were not going well and asked me to come home. It was uh, over a week early. But because I had a rental, I went back to the hotel, looked up drop-off locations. There happened to be one at an airport. And so I was able to drive straight to the airport, drop off the motorcycle, 
and get home to my wife who was dying. If I'd had my own bike, it would have been at least another four days. And she had expressed to her mother and her, my, my daughter and her sister that she really wanted me there with her as ASAP. God was way ahead of me in that little bit, right? Now I want to challenge you. God may be putting the kibosh on your plans. It may, it may feel like you're trying to go this way and, and God's just stopping you at every turn. Whatever your plans happen to be, earthly, spiritual, whatever those plans are, the temptation is to say, God's mad at me. God did something wrong. God doesn't love me or something, right? Isn't that the natural temptation? You don't know why God is doing what He's doing, but you do have to trust Him. And so I challenge you, keep your eyes on the eternal. Behold the glories of God and trust Him during every single challenge. He made you. He saved you. He's going to keep you until your days have been completed. And you know what He's going to do? He's going to call you home. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? One time in June, my daughter was expressing to Heather, maybe trying a different course of action. Maybe trying something else will work. Heather looked at Jessica and said this. She said, Jessica, before the world began, God decided the number of my days. And when I've lived that number, He will call me home. She lived that number. God has your days. By worrying, you're not going to add to or take away from that number of days. Impossible. Because God has your days. That means you can do anything for Him and you're invincible until He decides to call you home. He created you. He will provide for you. This is called providence. Next week, Lord willing, my plan is for us to worship the living God who created everything and provides for everything in it. And I've been praying, and I will be praying this week, that the Holy Spirit will drive you to worship the God who provides, because He, and He alone, is worthy of it all, isn't He? Lord, I pray that You will use these simple words in people's hearts. I know that it was far more personal than normal. But I, I pray for the, the believer right now who 
earthly circumstances and trials just seems to be dominating and maybe they're wanting to throw in the towel maybe they're thinking okay what have i done wrong god's hand seems to be against me or whatever else it is i just pray that you will strengthen them i pray for the person who looks back at their life and says what have i done for god encourage them in understanding that their impact was far greater than they could ever imagine. And for those, Lord, who maybe are in trials and thinking, you know what? God isn't good. He's not fulfilling my desires. They're thinking about turning away. I pray that today will be their day of salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.